Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of Ian Hates Conversations Music Edition. Tonight's guests are Lindsay, Corey, Ryan, and Keenan of The Anchor. Their new EP, Make It Last, recently came out through Manic Cat Records, and it is so damn good. I'm a huge fan of everything The Anchor has done. Just a couple of quick warnings before we start. This interview was done when I was kind of delirious from sickness. <laughs> and also, it's on Skype. So there are the typical Skype issues. That's kind of just the way it is. But you're still going to really enjoy this. The Anchor are filled with a bunch of fun and interesting people. So let's begin with the title track from Make It Last, and I'll see you after the conversation. Enjoy. Oh, my God. 
All right, everyone, and welcome back to Ian Hates Music Conversation Edition. I am very excited because I'm talking to the anchor, and right now I'm just going to run down the list of names. We've got Lindsay, Corey, Ryan, and Keenan. How are you guys doing? Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Doing well. <laughs> For anyone who obviously they can't see the video, we've got a four-way Skype call going, so you know this is going to go really well. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, let me get this out of the way right away. The new EP, Make It Last, is really amazing. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, we worked really hard on it. It was a lot of fun. And I can definitely tell. And I think people that listen to it can as well. How has the reception been? Because I've heard a lot of good things with like heat seeker charts. And I don't know if you pay attention to that, but it seems mm -hmm. like it's going very well. Um, I mean, we've had both. So, because our YouTube channel, uh, whenever we uploaded the singles, mm -hmm. um, I don't think people were expecting it. So, we, we got a lot of really cool stuff and then a lot of, like, you know, oh, this is generic or... What, did they become a data member with a chick or something like yeah. that? <laughs> um, but then, you know, we uh, get messages from people on our band account all the time about how, like, awesome the CD is and... Oh, it's really cool. Like, um, like they had always wanted Lindsay to sing more and we finally did that and things like that. So it's, uh, you know, it's back and forth, but, um, billboard and, and, you know, ranking high on iTunes and everything. That's, that's just from like the current fans that we have. Like, it's not like the CD did well outside of like the scope of the anchor. Like it was really for, you know, from all of our fans that we already have. So it did well in our circle. <laughs> <laughs> well, did or was there any help from Manic Cat since you just recently signed with them and then you announced the EP? Has that promotion gone well? Yeah, I mean, I would say so. I think you know any um, any more promotion that can be thrown our way is always helpful. Mm -hmm. um, they definitely have a different audience that we didn't reach before, so I think that that has helped with the promotion of the album as well. Yeah, and Pete's really awesome too. He's been working his ass off for us, so. There's, uh, I think, I think we can do not, not that this was Pete's, Pete's fault, but I think we can always do better on every album. And on this one, there is a really big learning curve because the last album was self-released right? and Pete, um, was, it was really cool that he helped us kind of open doors to like how to release the album, things that we had never thought of, things that we didn't know about. Um, so a lot of releasing this album was kind of like, uh, this is the first time we've done it this way. Mm -hmm. So the next time we'll be able to work out the kinks, work out, you know, the things we wish we had done better, um, stuff like that. So it's definitely, it's, it's, I mean, it's been helpful. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, when talking to Pete, because I've actually had him on the show before, what was like the biggest word of advice that he gave you for this EP in particular? I mean, Bill, you know, <clears throat> I think, for instance, Billboard, um, I had never known how to report any of our physical album sales. Mm -hmm. And like, that was one thing that me and Pete had to, you know, kind of figure out together. Um, also, before, like, I, there wasn't really a strategy to releasing a world ahead. Yeah. We were just, we had a lot of fan base from metal kitchen and 
Um, our YouTube it. channel is doing well, so we just kind of went for it. We didn't even have physical CDs printed. <laughs> yeah, they were like, we'll get them eventually. <laughs> yeah. I think I think we started sending them out like like a month after we actually released the yeah. album. Um, so, uh, I mean, w- what's cool about us and Pete is like there's there's always this like back and forth banter of like ideas and possibilities mm-hmm. and. And uh, that's what's been really helpful is like I can call him at any point and be like, dude, I just had this this crazy idea. Should we try it? And he's like, fuck, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, so that's that's what's been cool about working with Pete was, is just like bouncing ideas off of each other. Going into the relationship with Manicat, did you know that's kind of what it was going to be like? Were you shopping around before and that's one of the reasons why you joined or was there some other reason? Um, I think going into it, we... I mean, they reached out to us before and we just kind of sat on it for a little bit. And um, we weren't really like looking for a label per se, because I think we were pretty hell bent on like, we're going to do this on our own and we're going to make it, you know, do what we want. And we were kind of afraid of this whole idea of a label. And um, Pete just, he kept calling us and he was like, what do I got to do? And we're like, all right, fine, we'll talk to you. So, you know, it was just after months of talking back and forth, you know, we kind of realized like, wow, this guy like really wants to advocate for us and really want to be on our side. And, you know, I think going into it initially, like our expectations were totally off of what it actually turned out to be. And um, Pete's really turned out to be a really positive and helpful um, person to have on our side. That makes total sense. So now Keenan and Ryan, how did you guys feel about, you know, getting into that situation when you guys got together as a band, you kind of decided what you were going to do. What were your feelings on it? Well, this is my first dealing with uh, any any uh, record label company, so I, you know, I was kind of uh, flying in the dark for a lot of it. I think we all had some of the same hesitations, but we also had some of the same pyramids that we wanted to see. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm really protective of um, you know the the songs that we create, and I didn't want to um, have to sacrifice anything or give up any rights. So that was my big reservation. But I think overall it's been extremely positive because they've um, really opened the doors to a lot of new opportunities that we didn't think about before, like with, especially with booking and things like that. So You do have a relatively big tour coming up, right, at the end of March? It's a week, so it, it's not... Sorry, <laughs> I must have seen other relatively dates like small. on top of that. <laughs> relatively small <laughs> my apologies on that one well but uh, we are doing um i think we're we're working on a big tour in the summer right now so oh very nice okay well now let me ask you this and i'm i'm harping on the label thing right away but we're gonna get to a lot more with making this new ep make it last did you choose to do an ep because you wanted to see what it would be like to not be as do-it-yourself, to actually have the label behind you from doing the full length before? I think um, it actually worked out in both of our favors. So we, because I don't I don't know if you've listened to our first album, but our first album is very like metalcore, hardcore inspired. Absolutely. And um, whenever we, re- after we released it, and we had been sitting on it for probably uh six months or so and um i kind of had this bug to like um because i I do a lot of the writing and i kind of had this bug of like why don't we try something different like it like the thing that frustrates me the most in the industry is whenever you know you have your favorite band and then they write the same six albums 
you know, back to back to back. Right. So I was like, screw it. You know, we're not signed. Like, let's do an EP of five, like, kind of pop metalcore songs, if you will. And then Pete came along. And uh, his idea was to do an EP and then an album with us. So we were kind of like, oh, this, you know, this kind of jives. It kind of works with what our idea was, too. So it wasn't really like a decision, uh, per se. We were kind of both on the same page in the beginning. So then... You are absolutely right, obviously. I've listened to the first full length a lot, A World Ahead. Big fan of it. And my question then is, you did mention the change in kind of tone mm -hmm. in that album. I mean, you say you don't want to make something that sounds exactly the same, but do your influences kind of push you in that direction? Would you have made a metal album if you wanted to do that? Um, whenever I was writing this album, we were... I, so it took me three years to write that album. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. And and it and it was just because we weren't we were just playing locally. We didn't know what we were gonna do and stuff like that. And then we released it. We had such great feedback and stuff like that. The metal kitchen thing had happened, and um, you know those were songs that we had been working on and worked out for a really long period of time. Um, whenever we were doing the next album um we had just gone on like a really big tour we were kind of on this um you know high sort of and our lives and our band were totally different feeling we were happy we were excited we had all these new relationships we had and uh that's that's really what i think reflected in the music um because we are definitely not a band that's like angry all the time or happy all the time or jokey all the time or serious all the time. Um, and so this just happened to kind of, I think, catch us in a point in our lives where we were, you know, this is that's kind of how we felt at that time. Gotcha. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. It seems, at least from listening to all your releases, I would note, though, that in general, Lindsay, it seems like the lyrical content is along the same lines, though. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the the lyrical content for um, A World Ahead was a lot more like just kind of like personal perseverance stuff and just kind of things that I needed to say and get out over the three years that it took us to write that album, whereas A World of, or uh, Make It Last was um, it was kind of more just about like relationships and just um, the different kind of relationships I've had with people, um, you know, throughout the band and just throughout my life. And it wasn't so much of like a, um, a pers perseverance kind of thing, like a world ahead was, but there was still, I could see how there was still kind of some reoccurring themes that happened in that. Um, cause there's still relationships that I had that influenced a lot of the content on a world ahead. And we'll always be as far as our lyrical content too, you know, we, we grew up listening to a lot of metal and stuff like that. And, and we've seen like, um, there's a lot of like bands that talk about, uh, suicide prevention. And there's a lot of bands that are really angry. And I feel like, um, we were like, let's talk, let's try to be as real as we possibly yeah. can right. in our lyrical content constantly all the time. And the only way that you can be, you know, extremely genuine and real is whenever, uh just write from my like, personal experience you yeah know? so it's whenever we were writing a world ahead like that's what you know i was going through and what we were going through and with make it last like 
we were going through different things. So it's, you know, lyrical content is going to reflect what we're going through because we don't want to like try to force something or be like, this is what we've written about in the past. We have to continue writing about those yeah. things. Right. That makes total sense. So when you talk about songwriting in general, how do you guys do it? Do you guys get all together? Because Corey, you mentioned doing a lot of the songwriting yourself. I'm assuming that you bring that to everyone. You know, you work on guitar, Ryan works on guitar, and then also Keenan does bass and Adam does drums. How do you guys kind of put everything together? Yeah, we usually, um, I usually get like the riffs and the choruses and then mush everything together and then take it to practice. And then we all, we kind of learn like a basic song that's at, at like maybe 80%, 70% there. And then, uh, and then we take it to the next level at, at practice. So, or rehearsal, as Ryan would like to call it. <laughs> Ryan doesn't like calling it band practice. I hate calling it practice. <laughs> Why is that? Are you like Alan Iverson? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of the thing with. Um, it, it sounds like too like middle school for me. Like like band marching band practice. Sure. It's like whatever. <laughs> Ryan likes to be professional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. He's a professional musician now. <laughs> <laughs> so then, Corey and Ryan, how do you guys work together for everything guitar related? He writes the really difficult parts, and then <laughs> I learn them or attempt to learn them. <laughs> and no, what, what? He, he really challenges me in in great ways and surprises me with really every song. Um, I mean, I have. A, a few minor kind of edits here and there. And he gives me, uh, you know, sections uh, to sort of go and do my own thing. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, it's, it's kind of what I have in my own head that I just can't write myself. So um, I'm just sort of like the editor, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I started writing with Guitar Pro mm -hmm. and like, if we were to write, probably like a normal band. I don't know how, I'm sure every band writes completely different, but I started writing in guitar pro whenever I was like 16 years old. And so I can basically, I can hear something, something in my head and I don't even have to look at my guitar and I can write it. Ah, okay. In guitar pro. And so it's not even really fair. Like I can basically like code in guitar pro. Like it's a totally, so it, you know, it, it definitely doesn't help that, I'm basically writing in HTML and sending it to Ryan, you know? <laughs> so had, had we have done it any other way, I'm sure, I'm sure there would have been, uh, you know, Ryan would have been more along in the writing process, but for whatever reason, like guitar pro makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Well now Keenan, how do you fit into everything when you're writing bass? You know, I think I, I write the best when I'm, when I'm left to fill in the gaps. Okay. Really. Um, a lot of what Ryan and, and Corey do, they have, um, already written and kind of planned out, mm -hmm. uh, before I really start trying to mess around with any stuff. Um, but it's pretty cool because I, you know, I, it's pretty much an open book for me. Whereas, you know, where, where I want to play, what I can do. Um, it's nice having the freedom to choose when to sit back and let someone other people, someone else shine. And, uh, when you can throw some flavor in there. Very nice. Now, Lindsay, 
how do you come in and kind of bring this all together then? How do you decide on songwriting and then the vocal part? Um, so usually what will happen is whenever Corey's kind of in the process of writing the song, um, I kind of just get like an idea of what I want to write it about, just kind of like what the song makes me feel or like what it makes me think of. And, you know, I'll kind of be just kind of drafting ideas. And then once the song's like finished, um, I'll usually go back and start writing um, to the the MIDI files that Corey has from Guitar Pro. But I think the major bulk of a lot of the uh, like actual uh, melodies and like the cadences and stuff really happen in the studio. Um, we have a really awesome relationship with our producer, Taylor. Um, he definitely like really pushed me as like a vocalist to like really go outside of the box and like try new things. Um, but as far as like the lyrical content, that's, usually right around the time that the middies are done. Okay. And then Corey did mention, you know, people were like, hey, why isn't Lindsay doing more, you know, clean vocals? Mm -hmm. How did you decide to fit all that in? I guess one of the things that I love asking bands, especially ones that are in the metalcore, post-hardcore, like that kind of genre, is when do you decide to do unclean vocals and clean vocals? Like when do you know this is a time to scream, this is a time to do cleans? I mean, that's a studio thing. Like you, one thing that we've definitely made sure of is like, we don't force anything. Yeah. So there's definitely parts in the studio that nobody will ever hear. Cause we're, <laughs> we we're tried like, it. Yeah. We were like, no, no, that's not good. <laughs> sure. I mean, we even have, we have a radio edit of one of the songs and nobody, <laughs> and <vetoed> it. <laughs> nobody on the planet will hear that shit. So, uh, Keenan will see to that. <laughs> Keenan will see yeah. to that. <laughs> but uh yeah that's definitely a she'll go in and try a couple of things and usually the band's sitting out in the uh judging me in the tracking room ju judging <laughs> judging it <laughs> but i think like going into it like when we recorded make it last like we went in really wanting to make sure that we weren't restricted by um you know being a metalcore band and being like oh we need to make an album that's metalcore right um because that's really limiting. And we really wanted to be able to go in and be creative and just create what felt right. And hence Paradise Falls. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> so, you know, and, and that felt right in the moment. So it happened. <laughs> oh, so that wasn't something pre planned. It just turned out that that was going to be the one with, you know, all the clean vocals. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even go into it thinking that we were going to have a song on that album with no screaming in it. We just, we recorded it and our producer was like, I think you got yourself a ballot here. And we're like, Oh God. Um, and that was kind of my experiment. Cause that was probably the first song I, I don't did. I don't think, did I write, I had like a very, very, very basic guitar pro to that song, but we wrote it mostly. But in the we studio, we though. never practiced it. We never really touched it. And wow. we completely wrote it in the studio. Yeah. I was all on the spot pretty much for every one of us. What came out. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, do you play that live? We haven't yet, um, but we we can play it. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't sure. I mean, do you go back and forth when you are playing? Do you do tracks from Make It Last and A World Ahead, or do you only stick to Make It Last? We try to have a healthy balance um, because a lot of people really, there's like four songs off of World Ahead that people just have really latched onto and kind of riot when we don't play them. Um, but we also like really enjoy playing, um, a world ahead. So we never want to like completely phase that album out just because we really love playing that music. Right. Um, but we try to like 
alternate, you know, and so it's nice that Make It Last is an EP, so it makes it pretty easy to mix that in with our old album because we're not fighting over a bunch of songs. Right. Like last last night we played with We Came As Romans and um, that show, like some of the songs on Make It Last would just kind of be inappropriate, not inappropriate, but like not suiting, not suiting for a heavy show. Sure. What have you. So we played all of our uh, most mostly songs from our world ahead. However, we played with a pop band, I think in December, and uh, I think it was mostly Make It Last. Yeah. So uh, we try to be versatile depending on the situation. Yeah, I guess that would make sense. Yeah, you can change your music to blend in whatever type of genre you happen to be playing with. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I would also mention this, and I think a lot of bands have been talking about this recently, going out on tours with bands that you might not actually fit in with and being able to play whatever you want. Are you looking to do that in the future as well? I mean, our first major tour, we went out with a rock band that I don't really felt like made a whole lot of sense with our music, but I think we just had the right attitude Mm -hmm. and people didn't really ask questions, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, if if you're there and you've like bought into it and you support it, like, I mean, we've played with, bands that aren't even close to our genre but it was still like an awesome show like we played that show in um texas and there was this guy he had a guitar and it was like an acoustic show and he was like this you know drunk punk guy and like (laughs) saying about like how the government sucks and how he just wants to sit in his garage and drink beer it totally didn't make sense on the lineup at all but we're like sweet this is awesome you know we just and like the whole setting for that type of show though really fits in with us too like we're even though it's he was playing acoustic guitar and he was funny and stuff like we are very jokey whatever happens on stage happens and i can't even tell you how many mistakes and things go wrong <laughs> on the stage and fans love it though like right. between our youtube channel and you know me eating oreos and videos like <laughs> i showed up to a show and there was like 18 packages of oreos there for me um we are you know you know, we've we've gotten down to the level of, of our fans, and that's what we've always wanted. So it doesn't really matter who we play with. Like, if people are there and they're there to have a fun time, you know, anybody could be playing and we'll, we'll fit right in. It doesn't really matter. We went to Arizona. That was the scariest show. Was no, it, it was uh, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah, it was like... A death metal show, and there was like skulls <laughs> hanging on the wall, and like all the windows were boarded up. Yeah, it was like this <laughs> condemned house. I'm pretty sure it used to be a crack house, and like the people were doing crack around in the neighborhood. And like you walk in, and it's like the walls are painted black. There's like skeletons hanging from the wall, and like all the music there was like death metal, <laughs> like <laughs> death metal. <laughs> like it like, made like suicide silence look like alternative, like stuff I had never even heard of. <laughs> And we showed up and we're like, hey, we're going to sing about whatever. And, and we loved it. Like we, you know, we played it off. It was because and I think because it was it was I don't know, ironic, probably not the right, okay. maybe the right word. We were there and everybody was like this venue. Right. And we're like, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, And, you know, I think it's cool that like we're kind of capable of doing that. It's it doesn't really matter. We actually enjoy playing with rock bands a lot. Yeah. Fun. They have a good time. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Metal bands or something else. <laughs> when you go into that situation, do you guys have a vote on what tracks you're going to play? We usually decide the night of and write it on like 
a pizza box. And then, we, and, then, and then we change it up 30 minutes before the set. Yeah. And then we change it like two minutes before the set. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes skip a song or two. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, like in the moment, we'll be like, mm, no, I don't want to play that one anymore. Sometimes Adam will hit the wrong track. And yeah, we I gotta go to with it. Go with it. <laughs> I guess we're playing this one now. <laughs> now, is that just blaming him because he happens to not be on the show right now? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. He's not here to defend himself. <laughs> Makes total so. sense. <laughs> Very nice. Well, now, going back to A World Ahead and Make It Last, you talked about kind of where you were mindset-wise of why you changed things around a little bit. What were the big differences between writing A World Ahead by yourselves, do it yourself, and then coming into Manicat for Make It Last? I think um, the process in the studio was really different um, because that was the first time we had met Taylor and we really developed a really strong relationship in the process of a world ahead. And, uh, you know, we were going through just like the learning curve of how to work together. But when we went in for make it last, it was like, we just, we have a system down. And I think we were able to be a lot more like creative and like be more open and take more risks just because we had that relationship with them. Um, But with Pete, it was, it was really fluid because I think he kind of bought into our, yeah. our band as well. I, I had explained to him, like, just so you know, a world ahead is not happening again. Like, <laughs> you might be surprised, but like, and and we had a lot of conversations about where we were going and what we wanted to do. And, and he was just like, yeah, let, you know, let's let's do it. Um, and uh, I mean, I don't I don't know. Pete's just like our wingman like yeah. on everything. Like, uh, I, cause we, and we talk every day. So like, I can't think of like specific times where I was like, oh yeah, Pete was, cause I mean, Pete's, I don't know. He's, Pete's, he's always available. He's always and I think there. That's really awesome. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of things he's helped us with. Well, in between those albums though, you had some member changes too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did that affect how you wrote or how everyone got together? Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, no, I don't know. Not really. Because I feel like um, when Keenan and Adam came in, we were just kind of like, this is how we do things. And they're like, okay. And they just kind of went with it. So, I mean, I think Adam and Keenan have been super adaptive to just us and, you our, know. Our fuckery. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think the change made it any more difficult than it was. If anything, it made it better because Keenan and Adam have just been super supportive and um they have really good ideas and they just the way that i did because before i was in the studio i was very like for a world ahead i was like i was hanging over like each guy yeah no matter what like i was always watching always making sure Corey's the boss if you couldn't tell and (laughs) but i think so adam like i wasn't there for drums i was oh yeah you know what i'm gonna let adam do this it happens and uh, I think I, I don't think I was there for much of bass either, was I? I don't think so. Oh. Yeah, I kind of because I've yeah. definitely learned like, you know, I, I have to find a happy medium of like how controlling, you know, I'm going to be with the song. So, so he's like controlling that. over me and Ryan is what he's saying. Yeah. Super. <laughs> totally. You part was over. He was there for me so that the parts I couldn't play. He'd step in and play. Yeah. <laughs> and now, though, and you know what I'm doing now is I'm starting to, like, give off all of my solos and stuff to Ryan because I'm kind of <laughs> sick of being, like, standing in one spot on stage. Oh, I kind of want to move around. 
I haven't had a chance to see you guys live except for YouTube videos, but mm -hmm. I know you guys like to bounce around a lot. So I would assume that that would be one of the more fun parts to do if you can give those off. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Ryan has a different, you know, what's funny is Ryan writes a solo and we immediately like are like, oh my God, that's such a Ryan solo. But like he has <laughs> specific yeah. style to Ryan, him. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, if I write everything, like eventually people are going to start hearing like there's Corey again playing his guitar the Corey way. Like I don't want to throw my favorite band under the bus, but August Burns Red. Sure. Uh, JB is like, dude, can you do anything else? Like we all get it. You're a good guitar <laughs> player, but I'm so sick of listening to him. Um, and I don't, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I don't want people to be like, Corey, we get it. Like you love metalcore. Can you stop? So I am really trying to like give a lot more stuff to Ryan to get some, you know, what's it called? Flex? No. Uh, autonomy. Oh, Hey, what is autonomy? Like flavor. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Sure. No, that's a great way to look at it. So then, I mean, I'm sure you guys are already thinking to the future a little bit. Is that more of a change that we can expect then for the next release? Um, so the next release is not going to be uh, Make It Last, right. even close. <laughs> <laughs> so country. Um, yeah. yeah no we're actually gonna drop our sick rap out no i think <laughs> finally i've been waiting for years <laughs> <Just a dubstep. laughs> um i think uh i don't know how to describe it yet we we want to try to go a little bit back to our roots because i think the the one feedback that we did get on make it last was like i mean it wasn't even like it was feedback it was like oh like this is a good album but i love a world ahead because it's like so emotional and so raw and like it just like hits you and we're like, okay, like we can totally see that, you know, we didn't do that as much on make it last. So I think we're trying to go back to that a little bit, mm -hmm. but try to take the elements from make it last. That was really successful and try to merge them together with a world ahead and get that like rawness and emotion to Cause, it. Cause the difference that you'll feel between like two different fans, one of them says, you know, off of make it last, I think they'll say stuff like, man, those are good songs. And I love those songs. And then, you know, some fans from a world ahead with like, you know, the hardest part. Yeah. Some fans be like that song made me cry right. and it made me think of this person. And those moments are like way cooler than the other. Way ones. cooler. <laughs> way cooler than, you know, oh, man, that song was like rad. Right. Right. Um, and I think we want to get some more of that. That makes sense. And I was going to lead into the hardest part as well, because, yeah. When I hear that track, it reminds me of, you know, Too Close to Touch. I don't know if you know their Eilie or Ellie song that's at the end of their second album, which is just mm. brutal. Bellhaven has another one. I'm sure you've each got your favorites of just like heart wrenching, like really gets that emotion going. And that's what the mm -hmm. hardest part does. Do you guys ever play that live? Mm hmm. It's turned into. Um, we cannot not. We, yeah. Play like, so when we first released the album, we actually didn't play it for a couple of months after the album was released because we were like the song is just like too much to do live and um it got to the point where people were like why didn't you play hardest part like i was waiting to hear that song and you know and i think what was the the turning point i remember this really vividly um we were playing a show and a fan came up to us 
and they were like, um, you know, my friends here, um, their son passed away and like, they really love this song. And like, can you guys please play it? Because that would mean so much to her. And we were like, yeah, of course play it. And we, I don't know, like something just like changed in the room, like when we played it. And it's just like, within like that moment of like playing that song, like everybody just was connected right. and like shared this really special moment together. And I think, um, you know, it's just really become such a staple to just the anchor and like just our set and people expect that song now and they get upset when we don't play it, you know? <laughs> when I've heard that track now, obviously for a while now, since I hadn't seen you guys live, I wasn't sure because sometimes bands choose not to play those tracks because it is either too much for them or they don't think the audience is going to connect to it. So that's pretty yeah. awesome to hear that that is something that you do on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah at the end of the show, like we want to, uh, and I, I think it's cliche, but like our, our fans are so special to us and blah, blah, blah. But like <laughs> we want to connect with, everybody that's at the show we want to connect we want to hear those stories we want to um talk about and i think that that's probably the connection between the two albums is like you know we really want to write about life and like real shit that's really happening to you know in in our lives and and that's what we want to do at our shows too we don't want to fake it we don't want to um you know we we want to connect with people, and so that that's why that that song has to be played every time. Right. Would that kind of write off doing a concept album at all, or is it more that if you were to do some type of a concept album, it would be more related to real life? I mean, it would definitely have to be if we did a concept. It would have to be a reflection of you know things that we've gone through and kind of you know whatever concept we're writing about is kind of more of a metaphor for whatever we went through. Um, Cause I don't think we could ever just be like, we're going to write an album about cats and we're going to make it dope. You know, like, cause it's just, there's nothing there. Like we, I, we just, we need that like emotion and like those feelings to draw off of, to like actually make real authentic music, you know? Right. And even, even the, I think cause of the key, if, you know, the key of the album of make it last because it's poppier. Um, the the emotions and feelings are still really really there it's just like the different side of sadness is happiness and so that's what we wrote about <laughs> yeah you can just kind of bounce around a little bit more like yeah. it's got that easy core element into it as well so you can really feel that go through when did easy core start because i had literally <laughs> never heard of easy core until like somebody called us easy until core. yeah until <laughs> like, like oh, okay, three months ago <laughs> what's it three like I want to say Easy Core came around by a Data Remembers third album. I want to say... Okay. Wow, that's old. Holy yeah. Crap. I want to say because they are definitely pretty close to the pioneers, if I'm not mistaken. Of Easy Core? Yeah. And maybe okay. they don't like that either. I don't know. But... <laughs> I mean, whatever. Or Easy Core, Easy Core. Yeah. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think I read that you guys are considered quote-unquote Pepcore now. Oh, oh yeah. that was a we joke. Did. Well, yeah, we but that <laughs> spread around. That spread around. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. I never thought I didn't think that would take on. That's cool. Yeah, we like we're making a joke out of it. We're like, we're not metalcore, and Corey's like, we're pepcore, and I'm like, making a mug out of it. We sold one mug to date. Yeah. <laughs> well, after this show, it'll be two or three. I hope so. <laughs> well, 
I bet you the same thing happened when Easy Core started, right? When any word plus core happens, yeah. you never know, is it going to be the one that catches on or not? Yeah. Like Nintendo Core? Oh, is that still a thing? Nintendo Core is still a thing. Is it? Oh, Math, yeah. core. Math Core? Math Core is definitely a thing. That's for sure. Oh, look, Alisana is Sweet Core. Sweet Core? Sweet Core. Yep. I haven't heard that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're talking to the core expert here. It's just the way oh, it goes. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll take your word for it. I don't really want to be known as that. I'm going to retract that statement. Cut <laughs> <laughs> that out. Okay, yeah, I'm cutting that out in editing. That's going out in post. All right. So let's go all the way back then. Let's talk about your guys' backgrounds in music. And I, it's a very, you know, cliche, generic thing, but I think it's very interesting to see how you guys started. So why don't we go around? Ryan, why don't you start off? I, I'm probably the weirdest out of all of them. <laughs> Finally. But, uh, that, like, um, I really drew inspiration, especially for Make It Last, from, like, my favorite high school bands, which th this might date me a lot, <laughs> but um, being the oldest guy in the band. But, like, bands like Story of the Year and Yellow Card sure. and Hawthorne yeah. Heights, um, that was the inspiration that I brought to Make It Last. So the kind of, I guess, post-hardcore, post-grunge, mm -hmm. um, there was... Were was were the kind of bands that I grew up listening to. So, Nirvana. I don't know. I'm just making. Fun don't forget Steely Dan. Jim <laughs> Blossoms. Jim Blossoms. That's what I. Jim Blossoms. Oh yeah. I mean, it, uh, <laughs> it, I love pop elements of really any kind of music, whether it's metal or grunge or metalcore or just pop rock. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up playing the guitar at the beginning of high school. Oh, very um, nice. So, yeah, and I was in bands basically ever since then. But this is the first real metal band that I've joined. And, and um, you know, I, I joined it because I wanted uh, something technically challenging. And the one thing I enjoyed about all my previous bands was, um, in some instances, I was able to play with a guitar player that was better than me. And that pushed me. And when Corey and I first met, I was like, this is the guy who's going to get me to be a better musician in the end. Um, and then six years later, we're still here. Very and nice. just so we're clear, too, Ryan didn't join the band. He started it. He started it with me. Right, right, right. It's not like he joined. Yeah, right. <laughs> he was me, Lindsay, and Ryan are the originals, so. We're the OGs. He, actually, Ryan's the president. He is. Oh, we already, congrats. We already figured that On out. On the LLC, it says Ryan Miller, president. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> I actually, my show now is an LLC as well, which is really, right. isn't it weird creating a company? I never thought I yeah. would do it. it it's That's super weird. Um, well, you're the yeah. president, though. Exactly. Yeah, you were, we are truly entrepreneurs. And I mean, it doesn't take away from anyone else in the band, but it's it's cool when you file that document and get the certificate in the mail and you're like, holy cow. Yeah. We're, you know, you're like, yeah, an adult. now we can say, but dad, it's a real business. <laughs> yeah. Just don't understand. It's not a fave mom. It's a business. It's a business. <laughs> so, Keenan, what about yourself? Well, I, um, I grew up in a very musically oriented family. My, my parents, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, almost nearly everybody played a musical instrument. So very cool. Uh, you know, live music was something I grew up with. I got my first guitar when I was 12. Um, 
and it was an acoustic. It's still hanging on my wall right now. I haven't given it up yet. Oh, nice. But I got my first bass probably when I was 14 or 15, somewhere around then. So, um, you know, I've been playing around since then. I had, you know, I've had a few gigs here and there, but nothing that really stuck around until I met all the guys from the Anchor. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been a big fan of jam nights my whole life. Uh, I think, you know, the music that I played the most growing up was definitely blues and uh, a little bit of reggae. Wow. Kind of the music wow. that's kind of driven to feel the groove and to dance around and stuff. But um, same with Ryan, how he was looking for someone and, you know, someone or a project really to push him to the next level. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's kind of what naturally attracted me towards the anchor as well. There's an echo that's going on. So I apologize. I'll try and take that on post. But Keenan, why did you decide to go from guitar to bass in the first place? Big fish, small pond, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Really. I have heard that story many a times. It's when you're in <laughs> high school, everyone wants to be a guitarist or vocalist or maybe drums. So it's like, hey, everyone needs a bassist, right? Yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, a lot of the music I listened to growing up, I was like, uh, just thoroughly under impressed with the, with the bass work. And so, uh, you know, my dad is a phenomenal blues guitarist. So I also had that like looming over my head that like you'll never be as good as him. Uh, so uh, I was like, well, I'm just going to choose to play something else, too. And maybe I can help make that instrument a better sounding, more intricate part of a project that I'm in. Very nice. Corey, what about yourself? Um, I started playing guitar when I was like when I was 12. And I, I unlike Keenan, I sold my first guitar to get drugs or something. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> But then I picked it back up. I don't even know why I picked it back up, but I was trying to join bands and stuff like that. And oh, my first band was Murmur's Curse. Everybody makes fun of me and my band name. for that. I, I think so. Yeah. I obliged it too. No, no actually, I Murmur's Curse. So. Yeah, that name's pretty bad. <laughs> We're, it was a band in Texas, but we, I don't think we ever played a show. And then uh, I, whenever I was in Colorado, um, I was trying to join bands. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with it. And I hated like every band I tried to join. Like their music was just not what I liked. And um, that's whenever I started writing. So whenever I went to Ryan, uh, I think we had like six songs, perhaps, already kind of written out. I, I remember the Craig's, uh, the ad you put up, because it was like, <laughs> I want to bounce these songs off of a songwriting partner. And I think you brought them to like the first time we hung out. And I was like, these songs need to be played live. And we need to play <laughs> the band right now. <laughs> so I was pretty adamant about that. But. And they were awful. And nobody will ever hear those either. Oh. Ever, ever, ever. ever. <laughs> they were so bad. <laughs> oh, God. They, uh, I had never like, because I had worked with Guitar Pro for since I was, you know, really young or whatever. But. I had never been like, all right, this is me. I'm going to write songs that, you know, I want. And, uh, man, being a songwriter is a learned skill, dude. You have to practice at it. I am. So check this out. I think on Make It Last, I, I, I think this is like a, just my thing. I name all of my songs just the, the, the number of songs that I've written. So on Make It Last, I think we're up to like like Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls is probably song number fifty seven or something like that. Wow. 
and that's not excluding like the riffs and stuff that are named something else like i have written probably 60 full-on songs and we've used 15 of them Damn. <laughs> wow so we're, i'm on, on i'm on 60 now <laughs> <laughs> like when did you decide songwriting was for you um so our first name for us was called of ashes mm-hmm. and if you want to go check out that monstrosity <laughs> that was with an old vo- vocalist it's um it's on our it's on a band camp somewhere of ashes.bandcamp.com if you want to check it out but we'll do i wrote all those that was me like trying to be metalcore didn't know what i was doing but um this is this is home mm-hmm. uh on a world ahead was i wrote that song and i was like that's it that's I think that's what I like. And uh, the whole album, A World, a World Ahead, kind of came around This Is Home. Um, and uh, I think we worked on like Skeptic too. Skeptic was another one. I was like, yes, this is like it kind of, again, but a little different. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I, it was probably like my 30th song that I wrote that I was like, okay, I think I like this. <laughs> <laughs> But it took a lot of like practice and trial and error and like a lot of really bad songs to, you know, and I'm also like, I'm super, I have a super addictive personality. So once I like go down the rabbit hole of something, like I just can't stop. So that that's kind of, I think how, that's how my songwriting kind of developed. The moral story, don't give Corey drugs. Yeah. If you can't stop, won't stop. No. <laughs> <laughs> so with songwriting in general then and bringing a song to the band, like how do you know it's a bad song? I guess that's the question. I don't show on my bad songs. Okay. All right. I hear the bad songs. <laughs> she hears the bad songs. I'm usually the one that's like, ooh, guy, this isn't good. <laughs> oh, well, then that is the answer right there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But I'm okay with it. Like, I, one thing I've learned, and this, somebody's going to make a poster of this, just like Pepcore. Um, <laughs> creativity is not about making it right the first time. And, I think that's that's it. Like, if you want to sum up creativity, it is not about making it right the first time. And I live by that. And I, I think my band gets frustrated with me about it. I think people in general get frustrated with me about it. But I will try a bajillion different things, a bunch of different ways to see what happens. Right. And kind of the same thing with my songwriting is I'll write a song and I am fully prepared to throw it away. You know, that's true. You don't find me whenever I tell you it sucks. You're just like, Whoop. Song and six. then you move the next one, yeah. Song 61. <laughs> Very nice. That is the best way to do it. It has to be. Yeah. I mean, it's worked so far, right? I think so. I would say so as well. Well, yeah. Lindsay, we've made it to you now. What about yourself? Um, well, I think finding my way to be a vocalist was a really long, unintentional path. Okay. Um. I played guitar in high school. I was awful at it, but I thought I was amazing. And I played in like all these really terrible metal bands um, and did that for a while. And then when I got out of high school, um, I was at Guitar Center and I found a bass that was like on sale. It was like the super warped bass, like the neck was like hardly straight and like it's just, it was a piece of crap. So I was like, oh, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to learn bass. <laughs> so I played bass for like a couple of weeks and then I saw Corey's ad on uh, on craigslist and i was like okay i'm gonna go try out for this band so i went and tried out and it was ryan and Corey and our old vocalist Mm -hmm. 
And after I left the tryout, uh, the vocalist had texted me and was like, you're in the band without even like yeah. talking to Corey or Ryan. So he was like, yeah, <laughs> you're in the band. And I was like, okay, cool. So I ended up being the basis of, of Ashes. And then when of Ashes went kaput and we made the anchor, I was actually the basis in the anchor to start with. Okay. And um, how I fell into being a vocalist was we got this show with Hatebreed and our vocalist couldn't do it because he got a new job or something and couldn't get the night off. And we're like, well, we still really want to play the show because it's like Hatebreed and it's like sold out and it's going to be awesome. And we tried to find somebody to fill in for him and we just couldn't find anybody. Um, and I was just like, okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll try. Like I do backups. Like I kind of know. She, so yeah, that's the part she missed out. She's she did backup screams for us. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. So like I did backup a little bit. So it's not like I just went from like zero to sixty right. overnight. But right, right. um because I was doing backups and stuff in the band, I was like, okay, I guess I can try. And my first show as a vocalist was a sold out hate show in front of two thousand <laughs> people. And it was like, and I didn't even want to stay. Like after that show, I was like, I want to go back to base. And Corey was like, Are you fucking high? Like you're obviously not going back to base. And me, it's like me and Ryan had a meeting <laughs> without with, me there. Without yeah. her. And we were like, This is happening, right? <laughs> no, no, no. So before the show, Corey pulls me aside and, and is like, if she kills it tonight, we can't pressure her to stay as a vocalist, okay? And I go, Oh, okay, sure. And then immediately after the show, he grabs me aside and he's like, She's singing full time, right? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, before they even consulted me. And then the next day, they're like, so this is happening. And I was like, no, I don't want to be a vocalist. <laughs> I mean, I'm, but I'm glad it happened. Like, I think it, we wouldn't be where we are if it hadn't happened. And I, now that I'm in it and I like have been a vocalist for a while, I definitely have found my niche because I never really knew what felt right to me as a musician and like this is definitely where i'm like okay i know i'm good at this like this just makes sense for me and i needed somebody to make the decision for me so thanks guys <laughs> <laughs> so how did you know you could do backing vocals in the first place then um yeah, it wasn't even really like i knew it was just like i wanted to try okay and like i always had like practice like by myself like when no one was around because it was like super embarrassing um, but I remember whenever, um, I was in a Vashes, I was like, Oh, I really want to try this. Like, you know, I've always wanted to see if like I could do this. And I kind of just started then. And, you know, once I started doing backups, I started practicing a lot, like just on my own, just cause I was like, I'm going to be the greatest backup singer ever. But she started like bellowing, like the chariot. Like oh yeah. Like it. I didn't know how to scream at all. Like I did it completely wrong. And gotcha. It took me being a full-time vocalist to like actually figure out how to scream correctly because I did it incorrectly for a really, really long time and like totally would just wreck my voice like every time I did it. Like how long did that transition take to be able to do it correctly? Um, I mean, after doing it full-time, like maybe a month. Okay. Because it's like, yeah, because it's just whenever I was, um, you know, a backup singer or screamer or whatever you want to call it, like, you know, I would do it for like a line in a song. So it's, you know, I didn't have to do it enough to like really figure it out. Um, and I don't even know like how I figured it out. It was just like one day I did it right. And I was like, Oh my God, that didn't hurt. <laughs> like, that's amazing. And like, I couldn't go back, you know, and it just kind of like clicked one day. Right. So you didn't do Zen of screaming or go in and get any professional help or anything like that. No, I've actually never had a vocal lesson. Wow. We all, we all my entire life. cannot stand that video of that woman. <laughs> I mean, it's really good to learn how to fry scream. Like she, she has really great practice for fry. But if you want to learn how to false chord, mm -hmm. don't watch that video. Right. <laughs> At least that's from what we can see. Like, yeah. 
I don't know. We don't really like her. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Sorry, that was really was funny. Was she even a vocalist? Like, no, she was like an opera singer. Yeah, I did research. Oh yeah, like, okay. She's an opera singer. No, teaching... but here's the thing: is that opera is like really they can like teach you how to breathe. Yeah, but... which is like half the battle. Whatever. Like if you learn how to use a diaphragm and you do that whole thing, like <laughs> you're halfway there. God. <laughs> <laughs> well then, on that note, then. Did you make the whole YouTube series Screaming Like a Girl? Did you do that because you wanted to help people that might not be able to figure their way around that? That was kind of an afterthought. Um, The reason why we started the YouTube channel was because we were so hell-bent on being like a self-made band and like doing shit on our own. And um, we bought, you know, a startup studio set up and we're like, well, the only way we're going to get better is if we just practice, you know, back to Corey, like... Can't stop getting addicted. <laughs> so Corey's like, I really want to learn how to record. And I was like, sweet, like we can record covers, I guess. And um, you know, we just did a couple cover songs. Like, well, why don't we just like upload this to YouTube and see what happens? And right. you know, the first couple of videos didn't really do anything. Um, but it, you know, we just kind of kept uploading and we never like uploaded to YouTube to be like, Oh, look, this is how you scream, or oh look, a girl screamer. We were just like making videos to uh. just practice and people kind of latched onto it. And what's funny, too, is, like, <laughs> we're so out of the loop on everything. Me and Lindsay had never, we are not the people that, like, watched YouTube videos. <laughs> like, we, we had never, ever, ever done it. Like, whenever Metal Kitchen blew up, we right. had a a label or a, whatever the broadcast Oh, it's like a YouTube, a YouTube um, it's like a YouTube agency. They were oh. like, why is your, they were like, why is your subscribe button hidden? And we we're like, I don't what? know. <laughs> what is subscribe? Like, subscribers? People, like we had no idea what we were doing, but we knew what we did know is that we had something special and different. Like there's a very, like metalcore is sorely lacking in female, you know, females in general. For sure. Um, like, you know, off the top of my head, there's like, uh, I I wrestled a bear once, mm-hmm. and who aren't even around anymore. Exactly, yeah, like, Jericho. But even they were. I mean, they're closer than like uh, in this moment. It, yeah. Anyways, yeah, uh, it's a, it's a small like, amount. Basically, and we're like, well, we get, you know, I, I think it would be really smart to like try this, like, you know, and going back to what I said earlier, like. I'm all about trying new things and seeing what what happens. So, right. What was, or do you even know what the actual video was that really took off? The first one was our uh, like Moss of Flames ah, sure. video, and that's because you know, in addition to learning how to record, we were also trying to learn how to film videos. And <laughs> uh, before, what we used to do is we used to set up an iPad and film the footage live every take. Oh. So it was like I have to. Get take oh my god it, it fucking sucks but you know like you line the the actual live footage up so it was like real footage mm-hmm. but then we're like no this is stupid why are we fucking doing this so then we figured out that oh music videos like they're never done live you just line it up and lip sync it so we tried that and we failed at it atrociously <laughs> and my mouth was completely off from the song and it when it got huge because people were like, this is so fake. Like this isn't her. And like, people were like, Oh, look right at this time marker. Like her mouth is off. Like this is all fake. And it got huge because people were arguing over if it was fake or not, because the videography was just God awful on it. And we're like, we got it. 
We did it. It so worked. Right after that uh, was when we did Metal Kitchen, and then that was like the surprise right. viral explosion. But what's funny is like we noticed that on all of our real videos up until that point, because we were recording video and audio at the same time, like it didn't matter if it was real or fake. People still thought it was fake, and we were like, "All right, this must be like something so different and so." unreal if you will that you know we should keep going with this and and see kind of where it takes us right with that whole thing then or with Lindsay as a female fronted metalcore band right Mm -hmm. and we just went through a very small list and i could name off a few more as well because that's like one of my favorite subgenres of metal is hearing that kind of stuff do you try and push that when you can or does it get a little bit like worrisome like you don't want to be that band i think uh one thing that we do that i will always do is exploit triggers (laughs) (laughs) and female fronted is a fucking trigger every damn time i don't care who it is like if you have a problem with a fucking word i'll say it a million times and 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 that's in the and i did that in her last like because there was an article on Metal Sucks or something, and some bitch and some nobody band was complaining about female fronted genre words. And like how that is and limiting so to her as a musician. That was oh. my first sponsored ad. That's right. Was female fronted genre. <laughs> like, like it's so dumb. Right. Oh my God. What is wrong with people? <laughs> so then so, the answer to that question is about that. yeah, yes, you do push that. I mean, I wouldn't say that we push it intentionally because, like, I mean, I don't take offense. Like, as a female musician, like, I take no offense to that qualifier at all. If anything, it's it's more of a it's more of a boost, if you will, because it's like when you say female fronted, there's like definitely like a cult of people that are like, oh yeah, female fronted, and they're like all fucking about that. And if we didn't say it, then you know, there's well, a lesser it, chance that people might check us out. I, but, you know, I don't know. I don't think it would matter. Like, and we probably won't push it anymore because that was totally last week's news. And it was right. a joke. Yeah. So, you know, nobody, nobody cares. That, that's what's so silly about it is that, like, people only care about words for, like, three weeks. Right. So I'm going to exploit it for those three weeks and then, and then the world's going to yeah. move on. Then you yeah. cut it. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, as much as, like, I think some bands hate it about us, especially in the local scene, like, the fact that Lindsay can do it is it's special. Like it's different. It is totally a special thing. And and I think we will push that. And whether it's under the name of like Lindsay Ray from Metal Kitchen or the anchor, female fronted genre, or you know, female fronted metalcore, like I don't give a fuck. Like we have something cool and you know, we're gonna try to get it out there as best that we can. Right. And whatever you call us, like, you know, it goes back to like the easy core thing. Mm-hmm. Like Whatever qualifier you have for us is does not uh, determine who we are as musicians or our abilities or our music. You know, if you want to call us female fronted or easy core or fucking pep core, like it doesn't change that we're the anchor. Right. You know, so stupid words like that just doesn't matter. Well, look, I call every other band male fronted. Uh, everybody does. I mean, you have to know. That's how I mean, yeah, or else you're gonna offend somebody. But actually, you can't be. You can't be. Um uh gender specific anymore so it's oh, got to be like good point pers- uh person fronted person person human fronted. fronted i can't wait till it's robot fronted that's what i'm waiting right. for anthropod, anthropod fronted <laughs> homo sapien homo, fronted yeah. did you guys see that netflix movie bright at all yeah yes. and it was like really obviously trying to smack you in the face with social commentary yes 
It absolutely was. Do you remember the Orc Hardcore Band? Yes. That's yeah. what I'm waiting for. The Orc Fronted Band? Yes. It's it's the Orc Fronted genre. Oh, yep. excuse me. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, we won't be able to say that anymore because that'll be offensive. Yep. Then elves and ah, oh, it just goes everywhere. But yeah. <laughs> I think we did hit a lot of the music topics that I wanted to and bringing up movies. What do you do that's not music related that you really enjoy doing? That's a Keenan and Ryan question. Yeah, because our <laughs> <are> music. <laughs> they are all music all the time. But Keenan and I recently discovered um, a billiard game called Snooker, which is really popular in Great Britain. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we've been addicted to that for like the past two months now. But uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, we all live in Denver, so we do various outdoor activities. I'm a big snowboarder. Oh, okay. Uh, Keenan skates. So, Keen, anything else? Do I do anything fun? Corey likes to oh, knit. Right. You like to knit? <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Sorry, Keen, I didn't interrupt you. Oh, yeah. Go <laughs> ahead, Keen, and then we'll get back to that. Um, I love building motorcycles, too. That's probably yep. what I spend most time on. That's impressive. Working on stuff that I break. <laughs> oh, you break the motorcycles and then you fix them. Yeah, well, because I have to if I want to ride them. Yeah. <laughs> Is that also like a side business that you have as well? Yeah, uh, it's a slow moving business. It's not I don't get to spend as much time on it as I as I, as I would like to, but um uh, definitely pays for itself. So, yeah. Very nice. Corey, knitting? Keeps me calm. We call it brocheting. Another term. Another <laughs> yeah. term that people Brochet. will hate. <laughs> you just keep yeah. saying it. It's gender specific. <laughs> Way <True>. too gender specific. <laughs> <laughs> but knitting is a female dominated field. All crocheters matter. Oh god. <laughs> You're you're a brochure. I am a brochure. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, what was the last thing that you knitted? Uh, I so we have a cat, and I I knitted it like a little mat so it could sit on it on the on the window seal. Okay. She doesn't use it too much. <laughs> but now it's in her cat bed, so I think she likes her cat bed more because it's in there. I mean, I really like don't know how to make things, but I know how to make like. She, it's Matt. a repetitive task. I know, like, so he just yeah. kept fucking going, and then one day he just had a fucking square, and I was like, "What is that?" He was like, "A, a cat, scarf, a cat mat." Yeah. <laughs> so then, most everything else is music related. Doing YouTube videos, you know, working on the band and stuff. Is there anything else that you do for fun? I like to bake. I don't know. I like making banana bread, but I don't think that's a hobby. Once a year. I know. Yeah, what? she doesn't even cook. We do metal kitchens. She doesn't. <laughs> <even cook. laughs> Cooking is like barely above average. Like, I'm kind of a terrible cook. All of the recipes are fake. Don't fucking make them. They're disgusting. Yeah. Like, not good. (laughs) Well, my favorite one is the crab core gumbo. Mm. And I thought about it, but then I was like, nah, I'll just go to New Orleans sometime. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that would be a much better alternative. And don't don't put your gumbo in a plate. Like, obviously. I... Uh, I don't know how we missed that. (laughs) I know, it just went everywhere. We're like, oh, wait, this is soup. Yeah. Shit. Um, And we didn't, I I didn't know that there would be a food out there that's so, like, that has a cult following around it. But, like, we totally fucked up that recipe. That's probably why it got so much bigger. People were, like, angry about, like, how we did it. No, the the Trinity. It, like, you've got your, like, the bell peppers, the onions. But apparently there's regional Trinities. So there's a different trinity in New Orleans than there is. And apparently we did not do the regionally specific one for New Orleans. I can't believe so you guys. Wow. I know. 
fucking amateur move. I would have thought that got big because of the big crab. That was actually him. Yeah, that's that's what I would have thought. I would have thought, oh. just add in attack, attack, and then an adult male in a crab suit. Playing I mean, what's weird, what's weird about, like, who knows why anything gets big anymore? Yeah. Because, like, there's such weird combination. Like, we put a lot of thought and effort into the, uh, into the, uh, the kitten, what was the Oh, the Dyer likes kittens? Yep. And like We had to go find kittens. <laughs> and apparently it was during the non-breeding season. So like, we only found three kittens. It was so hard. We spent so much time on that stupid video. And we were like, this is cool. <laughs> and the gumbo video was like a day. Right. And I threw on a crab, crab suit. Was it a lobster? I think it was, <laughs> it was a lobster. It was a didn't lobster. Have a crab. It wasn't even a crab. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell. Yeah. I had no idea. We just needed something big and red. Everything about that video was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it got huge. Oh, fuck. Oh, that's funny. Well, I think that brings everything to an end. So once again, if you didn't realize, I am a huge fan of Make It Last as well as A World Ahead. So I am very happy to have gotten this chance to speak to you guys. Once again, I apologize for being sick and stumbling over way more words than I ever would normally, but <laughs> thank you for sticking with me. I very much appreciate it. I will have links in the description of the episode so that everyone can get any The Anchor merch, see you when you're out on tour, you know, all that good stuff. But for right now, is there any way that's the best possible way for people to support you? Um, you know what? Send us a message and, like, just tell us what's going on. Like, honestly, like, the money and stuff, whenever people buy merch is cool, but, like, talk to us yeah and like that's what keeps you know us going i think for sure very nice well guys thank you so much for being on the show this was a lot of fun cool. thank you thank thanks you. for having us
All right, everyone, I am back, and you just heard the track, The Hardest Part, Off a World Ahead. That is obviously a really heartbreaking song there, but going back to the conversation, I hope you got a lot of laughs out of that one. Sometimes it can be hard to keep track when you've got three Skype screens going, but I certainly enjoyed myself, and once again, I'm a big fan of the anchor. Thanks once again to Lindsay, Corey, Ryan, and Keenan, as well as Amanda for helping to set all of this up. Make sure to support the Anchor by going to the links in the description of the episode. They are going out on a summer tour with another great band called Varsity. So make sure you check out the dates for that one. You're not going to want to miss it. And don't forget to pick up the new EP, Make It Last. If you like what you heard, even with me being sick, please follow the other links in the description of the episode to support Ian Hates. Thanks to all of you for listening and for your continued support. Let's end tonight with another track from Make It Last. Here's Paradise Falls. And I will leave you the way I always do, long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.